Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. We're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. True. Hey. Hey. So listen, there yeah. is a fan on in the other room okay. because there's a human being sleeping. True. I'm not turning it off. So if you hear it, that's what that is. Yeah. I can't even hear it now. So I feel like they won't be able to hear it. it can does, you hear it? It does pick up, but okay. eh, whatever. Uh, but if you have any opinions about that, you can. Tweeted us at yes. strugglebuspod, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com, Instagram.com slash the strugglebuspod. We need to post some more photos. Yeah, we need yeah. to we need to get back on that. That's right. Use the hashtag strugglepodbudsport20 to find a struggle buddy. Uh, strugglebuspodcast.com is where you can find out about the song of the week and other things and become a member and get bonus episodes and a ticket to ride struggle bus card for as little as $5 a month. Um, and you can tweet at Sally T and me at SPK Heller. And again, the email address. You can either ask us a question or ask to join the Facebook group. Uh, don't do it together in one letter because we're not going to be able to filter through it. So either say you have a question in the subject line or you want to be added to the group and give us the email you use to log into Facebook with. And again, that email is strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Did I miss anything? No, I think you nailed it. Let's do it. All hey, right. who, do you want to jibber jabber first since like it's like pretty low key? Yeah, let me. It's like no big deal. Yeah. It's just like your usual run of the mill everyday jibber jabber. Uh-huh. Um, I got married. Yeah. How's the um, old ball and chain doing? The old ball and chain. The missus actually is how I like to refer to her. Um, yeah, I got married um, a couple days ago and uh, it was everything you hear about holy matrimony. Mm-hmm. Um, it's holy. It's matrimonial. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Um uh, we both looked amazing. You look so <laughs> good. You. I was getting ready to do the show and um, Danny actually texted me. Yeah. And they're like, um, hello, Sally suit. And I was like, I know. <laughs> yeah, that was such an awesome suit. And I Googled how to fold a pocket square. So I had a cool pocket square. There's actually a lot of different it ways to fold a pocket square. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I felt extremely dapper. Um, and my bride... Uh, oh God, it's such an awful she, word. Oh she looked amazing. She looked amazing. You guys, uh, yeah. you too. She had this um, this outfit. So we we got married on Friday night in my parents' backyard. And it was just like our Beautiful. parents and my brothers. And then she had an awesome outfit. And mm-hmm. then the next day was like a, our party where we invited just like family and friends of family. Mm-hmm. And um, Andrea had this outfit that she called. Um, wait, wait, who? It, she said, the style is, <clears throat> I think she said, Pam Greer in San Tropez. Stop it. Okay, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a white like pantsuit ju- kind like of jumpsuit. It's like all one thing. Yes. With like these really wide like almost bell-bottom legs. Oh, it, it was, was so like cool. Something out of um Three's Company yeah, or exactly. something. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah, so she was serving Three's Company Eleganza. Um <laughs> I yeah. Write that down for us. <laughs> yeah. So and that's great. right, it's a good call. And we had a pizza truck uh Just, at the reception. That's <laughs> The best idea I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, and the pizza was really good. They served, they they like, the truck like rolls up to your driveway. They make a bunch of pizza and they have like, they can do anything you want. They can do like any any food allergy intolerance or dietary restriction they like do. And then they also, and they serve salad. And then <laughs> and then for dessert, they do like espresso and cappuccino and um, gelato. Oh my God. And that's so smart. Peanut butter and jelly pizza. Stop it. How? Really what? Good. 
I know. It was just like, I think it might have just been bread with peanut butter and jelly on it <laughs> and like baked <laughs> or like pizza crust with peanut butter and jelly. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, everyone was like, get a load of this gross pizza. And I was like, I know, right? And I was like shoving it in my mouth. Oh my goodness. It was so good. That's I amazing. Liked it. Um, anyway, so yeah, we got married. It, it was pretty fun. Uh, my brother married us. It was very special. Oh. Yeah. And so now... Um, now I'm hitched. Yeah, but now people might be wondering, am I allowed to say that, you know, why wasn't I invited? Yeah. Sally? Um, listeners or you? Um, I mean, listeners, everyone. Because <laughs> I don't know you personally, no, no, but no. you were invited. Catherine, I am invited, but to we, a different you're, Yeah, we're we're sort of, um, we have like a original setup with our wedding where we did like one thing for our family and one thing for our friends. Mm -hmm. And so we're having like a friend get together. So when you see pictures of me uh, in my garb. Yeah. Uh, in your soon, floor length gown. You have no idea. I'm going to go all out. That's that's it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's coming up. So we're basically doing the thing of celebrating our marriage for a cool six months. Yeah. So uh, that's get into the way it. to do it. Yeah. It's cool. Um, so well, you it looked great. Thank you so much. I felt good. Uh, I am so tired. I on the one hand, I know why people go on honeymoons. On the other hand, I don't because how do you have any energy for a honeymoon? I'm so exhausted. I feel like I've been like Zambonied. Yeah. But um, it was great. Um, Molly Neffel did a right. She had two honeymoons and I'm so jealous. And I don't know which one's better because the first one was a water park. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I love like just fun. And then yeah. she went to New Orleans. Is that how they say it? Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not as cool as a water park. I'm no sure it's way. fun. But then she posted photos of a dog parade and there was like a basset hound. And I was Whoa. like, oh, no. Yeah, now that's I want to be on both honeymoons. Yeah. Um, that seems like the way to do it. I need like a six month sabbatical from life right now, but it, it's going to be OK. There you um, go. Tell me about your jibber jabber. Well, well, well. Um, first of all, speaking of a hiatus from life, um, I this is my last weekend with the New York Near Futurist until the Pride show. And okay. then later on in the summer and the fall, I'm going back in. And uh, I, I'll get to that in a second. But first, The Keepers on Netflix mm -hmm. is a really amazing documentary. We just finished it last night. It's a true, obviously it's a documentary. It's a, a crime story about mm -hmm. this nun who'd gotten murdered. But it turns mm -hmm. out there's a lot of um, stuff behind it huge content warning and it's not spoiler but there's you know sexual abuse by the, the okay. clergy shocking shocking um and but there's a, a huge just these two women start looking and they're really good friends and they went to school together and they were like we just want to know and these two women they they do like detective work mm -hmm. and it's incredible what they wow. find and it's very hard to watch some of it because the survivors end up meeting I mean, in the first episode you sort of know what's up I'm not spoiling anything. There's a seven part series. But it's also a story about recalled memory, about mm. trauma, mm. and watching people who had this and how, how both fragile and strong human bodies are when they go through something mm. that traumatic. And for me, I just really not enjoy, but I really the story of the survivors coming forward and how they dealt with their trauma all different. It was just amazing. Wow, really, awesome. really well done. What's the era that it takes place? It in? was in the seventies that okay. the murder happened, but the documentary is now. Oh, wow. They uh, all met up on Facebook. There's Facebook groups. Wow. So social media actually so there's murder and sexual abuse. Um, so it turns out, I don't want to give this away, but they want to know why she was murdered. Oh, so, you know. and they end up. Oh, shit. You'll see. You'll see. OK. It's, it's, oh, is it like making a murderer where like in the first episode, you know exactly. And then it like takes not you back. Exactly. To, no, okay. Yeah. But it's really good. But but for me, um, the survivor's story was just absolutely so fascinating to watch their journey wow. and, and, you know, doing the stuff that helped them heal. That's awesome. Um, we'll check that out. Yeah. And finally, I uh, so going back to the show, I 
I think last week I mentioned I'm going to buy fluorescent bubbles and mm-hmm. we have black lights and I'm going to do something with a glowing orb. Listen, you guys, uh, I can't promise you it's going to be in the show if you don't call the play, but it did make it another week. So it got in and it'll be in this week. Nice. But it involves me making a, um, a glowing orb of the earth. And <laughs> I bought all this stuff and like uh, glow in dark bubbles and it's beautiful and this little like bulbous lamp globe. And on the way to the theater after carefully cutting off pieces of black tape and making the earth it was shattered I pulled out of my bag and I was like but this is the whole point of the play and Meg one of the cast members looked at me she's like yeah I'm just going to tape that up and I did and my new I mean all of us are new like the new castmate but it was Chris's first night this castmate of mine uh, who I met at auditions and she comes over and I thought she'd be nervous and like getting ready and she just helps me tape up the world Aww. and it was such a nice thing to do she didn't have to do that and she was like being really delicate she wanted me to get hurt and it worked and it looked beautiful oh that sounds amazing so I broke the world and then I fixed that that's amazing yeah. it has even more like meaning because you broke it and then fixed it together it, it really and then I was like oh I'll buy another one this week because they you know they're having it in again which I was like I understand and if you want to cut it because it's too much work. And they're like, no, you know, let's do it again. Um, and it is beautiful. And uh, they're like, don't even bother buying a new one. It's just symbolic. It's pretty. It works on stage. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, man. NewYorkNewFuturist.org. Uh, check it out. Yeah, everyone go. Yeah. Any hoodle. Let's okay. talk about what we did for self-care. Okay. Gosh, Sally, what did, I mean, do you want me to go first or? Yeah, go for it. Cool, I cried. <laughs> um, I was, the day of the show, I was panicking and buying all these things. And I think when you're nervous, you exude a sense of nervous energy, which is maybe why the were broke, because, oh, you know, yeah. I just wasn't, I had too much crap with me. And I was uh, afraid of it, like, getting, I had it in a bag originally and not my backpack, and then I moved it to the backpack because I was like, oh, it's safer there. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I was in CBS and I just felt distressed of the world. And then I really was, this is the day after the Paris climate thing. And I was just really feeling the the pain in the world and the sadness of the world right now and the earth and how we're treating it. Mm-hmm. And uh, cried in the CBS aisle. Nice. I let myself do it. Felt really good. Had it, Wouldn't yeah, be the first up. time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who hasn't cried in the CBS? I mean, really. Uh, well, good. Sally, Have what a good did you cry. Do? Well, I I took a day off from work yesterday um, because I knew I was going to be exhausted after the like wedding weekend, which was like started at like 5 a.m. last Thursday morning. Right. Um, I didn't really realize how exhausted I would be because if I had, I would have taken off like <laughs> this entire week and like yeah. next week. But uh, but it was it was really good. So yesterday I. I, I spent like part of the day getting a bunch of stuff done. Like I just had like a big to-do list of, you know, I just like had to organize my life. And then I laid around and like I watched stuff and I read a little bit. I, I took like four naps and then I went to bed at like nine. So it was, it was like a good day of just like recovery. Mm-hmm. Best self-care I've done in a while. Yeah, it's good. So you planned ahead of time before yeah. the wedding. Like I'm going to need a day Yeah, off. yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to need this. I'm- so yeah. I'm traveling to France this summer and I already put in my itinerary like five days after I get home, nothing. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. Maybe not five, but there's a bunch. I, I slipped in there for myself. That's really good call. If, well, jet if, lag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If I if I had to do it again, which I do, I am getting married again in October, <laughs> I would say like for two weeks before and after the wedding, no one is allowed to talk to me for any reason whatsoever. Excellent. Like if I contact you, you may respond. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you must leave me alone. And that includes like social media. I think I texted you the day you were leaving and said, have a great wedding or something. Yeah, that's or, fine. Right? No, like the, the texts that are like, have fun or congratulations are like fine. It's the like interaction that requires some sort of like questions and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like an easy question, it's mm-hmm. like this, don't talk to me. Well, I saw Willoughby's coffee tweeted at you. Oh my God. That's amazing. I still, yeah, I have to say that was like, the 
no, no offense, Andrea, I love you. But the <laughs> highlight of the weekend <laughs> was <laughs> Willoughby's tweeting at me. Um, how I, they, they know? I think that maybe my dad and my brother went there um, in the morning. We we all usually go in the morning together, but we didn't. We stayed at a hotel like for the entire weekend. So my dad and my brother went without me in the mornings, and I think when they were there, they must have mentioned it. Um, well. So that, that was, was amazing. That was my wedding present. I loved it. I loved it. It was beautiful. So listen, let's let's get to the emails. Let's do it. Shall we? Uh, do you want me to read or do you want to read? Um, I'll read this this cool. one. Um, they need a name they, first off. They do. Uh, what? Well, now that you got me thinking about Three's Company. Oh, my God. <laughs> Janet? Roper. Um, <clears throat> Janet. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Excellent. Um, Perfect. I okay. like where we're going with this. Okay. <laughs> so this is from Janet. And just mm-hmm. a content note, there is um, a mention and some brief discussion of uh, sexual advances from one sibling to another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dear Sally and Kate. I'll read this. First of all, I love your podcast. Thank you for the work you do. My question involves considerable context, but I'll try to be as concise as possible. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and currently live in the city. For years, I've toyed with the idea of moving to California because I've noticed that my mental health is extremely affected by the weather. And as much as I love Chicago, I wonder what it would be like to live somewhere sunnier. I visited friends in the Bay Area a number of times, and every time the voice in my head has shouted, you belong here in the perpetual sunshine and the chill Cali vibes. Mm. But when the idea of moving to California first struck me, a trauma occurred, and so I dropped the idea. I am very emotionally close to my parents. I have a brother who is a year older than me, but we've never really gotten along, and we are very different people. I'm a liberal artist. He joined a frat in college and then the army afterward. Three years ago, he returned home from the army. By that point, I had stopped making attempts to be close to him because I didn't like the way he treated women, including me. Six months after his return, he sexually solicited me, and its effects were catastrophic. In recent months, I felt like I've made significant progress in parsing out my family history, sorting through my various traumas, including the incident with my brother, and making efforts, lots of therapy, to restore stability to my life. In January, I started dating a woman who I knew was moving to L.A. within six months. I didn't expect to fall for her, but two months later, in the midst of intensely painful family progress, I found that I had caught feelings. And when I told her, she said she also had feelings, but we had to end things because she couldn't compromise her focus on moving and pursuing her dreams. While heartbroken, I understood her position and respected her decision. And I asked her if we could be friends. She said she would love to, but then she ghosted. And I figured it was because it would be too difficult to navigate friendship with so many other things going on. It's finally beautiful in Chicago again. So I'm feeling really good. And I can't let go of the idea of moving to California. A few of my concerns. One, I'm worried that moving away while sorting through the trauma with my brother is a bad move, but could progress possibly be made while I live elsewhere? Two, I'm worried that my relationship with my parents would suffer if I moved away. I'd feel like I was abandoning them. Three, sure, moving to California was a thing before the woman came into the picture, but now I feel even more motivated because I would like to give that romance the possibility of existing if fate would have it. Would it be weird to move to L.A. with that hope in my heart? I'm very concerned about respecting boundaries, and considering she ghosted, I don't know what to think or feel or do. It would logistically slash financially take me some time to prepare for a move, and who knows what could happen in that amount of time. So the following questions may end up being irrelevant, but they're what I've been struggling with. 
Do I move? Do I risk upsetting the balance I've achieved? Regarding the woman, do you have any advice? Thanks so much for reading. Wishing you both sun-filled days. Janet. Janet. Also, the PS uh, added that she's seen Too Much Light Makes a Baby Go Blind, which is the original production company uh, in Chicago. Love it. Congrats on joining the crew in New York. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Appreciate it. Original production company of New York New Future. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah they cool. were part of that. Okay. So, um, Janet, I... I I am. I hear your concerns. I, I absolutely do. But to me, from afar and even up close, it reads to me as I really, really want to move to California <laughs> and you're trying to find reasons not to. So let's start off with this person, right? Um, if they ghosted and they don't want to talk to you, that's their business, you know, and obviously maybe you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to talk to you. But, you know, uh, California is pretty big. So you you can't, I mean, well, LA actually, um, you still can move somewhere and never run into someone, although you usually end up running into them. But that said, if you're doing it for other reasons, then, you know, just have that in the back of your head that you you may not ever see this person again. And if you do, they may not want to see you. So are you moving there for the right reasons? That said, it sounds to me like you really want to go and the space would be very helpful emotionally. Um Number two, the question, I'm worried my relationship with my parents would suffer like I'm abandoning them. They'll be fine. You know, they'll be fine. If you um, move away, you can always visit and stuff like that. I, Whenever I see that, I always worry like, you know, who are you living your life for? You know, they want you to be happy. And would you be happy? Um, so also, bah, 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 the first question, uh, sorting through the trauma with your brother. I don't know why moving away would be a bad move because in a very strange way, it for me and for some people, it helps to uh, excuse yourself from the situation and get some perspective and step away. So if anything, it might be helpful. So I don't know why you think you need to stay um, in Chicago to do that. And I think it might even be helpful. That said, I absolutely hear your concerns and you don't have to make this decision tomorrow. But if you're, you know, from what I read, it sounds to me like you kind of really want to move and not feel guilty about leaving your family. And I say, go for it. You can always move back. Mm -hmm. Sally, thoughts? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that as far as like moving to L.A. with the hope in your heart that this woman will want to get back together with you, I think that I think it's okay to have that hope in your heart, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't move to LA if all you have is that hope in your heart um, because who knows if she'll want to be with you. But as Catherine said, it sounded, it sounds like you have a lot of other reasons for wanting to go to LA. Um, I think like, I think if you move there, it would be fine to, you could always get in touch with her and be like, Hey, I'm here. Do you want to hang out? If, if not, that's cool because like she might've ghosted because she was moving, but she might've ghosted because she doesn't want to date you. And (laughs) I think it's okay to like, um, to like to be like I think like you know she didn't say she didn't say like I I don't want to date you she said it was like going to be too complicated with her moving so I think it's I don't think it's inappropriate for you to like reach back out and be like I'm here would you want to hang out but know that she might say no Mm -hmm. um so if if like that if that relationship not coming together would be um like heartbreaking I just you know keep, keep in mind that it's like a thing that could happen um I think as far as like moving away while you're in the middle of like processing through this trauma with your brother, um, I think that I th- I think that if sometimes, you know, moving is like something that causes a lot of like stress and like upheaval. And I think you have to figure out if you're in a position right now to deal with that. I think like moving is logistically 
kind of a nightmare and like emotionally there's stuff wrapped up in it too. And so I think, you know, it's important to figure out like, is this a thing I can cope with while I'm processing this trauma? And also like, you know, another reason like I've been hesitant to move when I'm like in the middle of like doing really good work in therapy is because that therapy is like physically located where I am. And so I don't want to, it doesn't feel like a good time to move, but I think, um, I don't think it's the case that like it's never or always a good idea to leave um, when when you're in like when you're in the middle of your work. I, but I think it's a thing that you have to figure out like with your therapist. I think, um, you know, it could be like a great idea and a great move or it could be like not something you should do at this exact moment. Yeah. But I think it's hard to know. Um, I think it's hard for anyone other than you or your therapist to know. But I, I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think there's like a hard and fast like rule about it. Um, as far as, um, well, actually, let me say one more thing about that. I think that like sometimes moving is a really good way to get distance between yourself and people you need distance from. And I think other times moving is a, is a way of thinking you're putting distance between yourself and something or someone, but it's actually like geographical distance and emotional distance are like completely separate things. Um, and so I think like that's an important, you know, thing to keep into keep in the calculation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of, I agree with Catherine about the thing with your parents. Like I, I don't think that, I think that like the contract between parents and children is like they're not allowed to abandon you because mm -hmm. they're your parents and they had you. And like part of that mm -hmm. contract is like they're not, you know, it would like they should uh, keep you safe and and protected and not abandoned or make sure that you're in the care of someone who's not going to abandon you. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is a two way street. Like I don't think that like ch children sign the same contract. So I understand that it might be difficult and you're going to have to like process your feelings around your parents feeling abandoned. But I don't, I think that like worrying that they're going to feel abandoned or that you're abandoning them is actually like a construction that you like in, uh, in your, in your mind, as opposed to like a real thing that objectively exists. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of us feel that way. So I don't think that it's like ridiculous or weird that you're worried about that. But I just I'm pointing out that it's like I don't think it's like a real thing. I think it's a thing that um, we kind of create. So that's a thing I would like to be talking about in therapy as well. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I agree. And also I wanted to go back because um, I, I do realize you're in therapy. And if, you know, you are in a, a place where you really are getting through a lot of stuff. Absolutely. I understand that maybe don't move immediately, but moving also takes time. So I think a million percent what Sally said, talk to your therapist about it, start looking into it, you know, see, you know, it can take a year to even get up the funds and a job and a place to move. So, you know, it's nice to know you can do it whenever you want, but definitely if you need to stay where you are to help yourself, that's really important. But if you find yourself using your excuse of, well, my parents will be lonely, they'll be fine. You know, I mean, talk with them about it. Mm -hmm. You know, just I, I see you're very close with them, but that's that's OK. Don't feel bad. But, it, you know, again, you don't have to move tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can do it in a little while. But yeah, I think also if you haven't done this already, like I know that when I have a big life thing in front of me, I like a decision to make I'll obsess about it but I don't really actually like think it through um <laughs> so if you haven't already done this like I would think through what it would be like 
to leave the current, as you called it, the balance you've achieved and like settle into like the process of like finding a place to live and then like moving into a new apartment and possibly living with new roommates and like to get, you know, finding work and whatever it is like. And if you think through all of that stuff and you're like, you know, like if that thought experiment makes you feel like, oh my God, yeah, I could like totally do this. It might be stressful, but I could do it. I think that's like really good information. And I think if you think through it and you're like, oh my God, actually like Mm -hmm. the balance I've achieved is actually like kind of like fragile and, and delicate. And this like, wouldn't be a time to like, you know, go through all that. I think that's, that's really helpful too. So I think like part of my advice is just like imagine, like spend some time really like imagining and visualizing what it would take to, to do this and how it would make you feel. Yeah, You see, Janet, life is like that orb. Listen, if you start to plan and you find yourself stressing out and crying in CBS, it's going to break. <laughs> but you can always put the pieces back together with the help of a friend. But um, yeah, don't don't overstress yourself out. You're right. Like If you start to make the plans to move and you find yourself freaking out, you know, listen to your body. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Cool. Well, let us know, Janet. We're curious. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Yes. Um, okay. <sighs> okay. Okay, uh, they already have a name. Oh, they do? Yeah. They, they said they want one from Steven Universe. Oh, oh, oh I thought, okay, or The Office. Or the office. Okay, sorry. I, I thought it was Steve from The Office. Oh, that's um, amazing. Is that, a, is that a character in The I Office? I don't watch The Office, so that's why I was I like, oh, either. yeah, Steven from The Office. <laughs> hold on. Um, Here we go. Well, there's Pam, obviously. There's a, right. uh, hold on. That's the only one I know. Pam and Jim. Huh? Yeah, the only ones I know, too. Uh, uh, Stanley, Dwight, Kevin, Angela. Uh... Let's do Creed, Oscar. I like Oscar. I like Oscar too. Let's do this. Cool. All right. I will read it. Hey, Kate and Sally. Before I get into it, I just wanted to give a brief update. I wrote in a while back about a bad therapist who gave me a diet program instead of asking about my feelings. Ha ha. I have since stopped seeing her and started seeing a new therapist. And it's a night and day difference, even though she's not covered by my insurance, which is expensive. Therapy is harder, but I'm definitely digging into deeper things I was missing before. Thank you so much for your advice and help. First, some background. I am and I am a 24-year-old cis woman, she, her pronouns. Uh, sorry, should we rename? Yeah, I think it's eh, fine. I think Oscar's a great name for yeah. everyone. Um, and I've always been really close with my parents. But as I've gotten older, I've started to reevaluate my relationship with my mom. I spent a year in therapy working through these feelings, and my old therapist ended up diagnosing my mom with borderline personality disorder. She has never met my mom, and this is not something we had ever discussed before. While I know this is unethical, I can't go back to not knowing this, and the more I learned about it, the more it seemed to fit my situation. Boundary crossing, guilting, constantly complaining about my father or sister to me, meddling in my relationships, anxiety, and walking on eggshells was my entire childhood, and I never understood that it wasn't normal. As an adult, I have an extremely hard time talking about what I'm feeling and con and conflict of any kind terrifies me. All of this is textbook child of someone with BPD. My question is this, does a diagnosis change anything? I'm angry that I was set up to learn such fucked up communication patterns from her as a child, and the more I try to put up boundaries with her now, the more she acts out. My mom has been outwardly against therapy, and of course I haven't discussed the diagnosis with her. It sometimes feels pointless for me to be doing all the emotional work on my end when I'm not seeing her take any steps forward. How do I emotionally separate from the harmful things she does when I'm at the same time trying to create a healthier, closer relationship? Thanks for your advice, bus drivers. Oscar. Hey, Oscar. Mm. Um, the, the thing that I keep thinking about 
when, well, first of all, I'm really glad you got a new therapist because I remember when we read your first email and I remember that we were like enraged and I, I'm now like doubly enraged that she diagnosed your mom, um, especially because it had never come up before. Um, like, I, I think that like, it's not uncommon for like when you're really, you've been with a therapist for a long time and they really, really, really know your life well and the people you talk about well for them to say like, you know, things that this person does, you know, kind of, um, may go hand in hand with like certain mental health things I've seen before, but like an out and out diagnosis is so uncool. Um, and the thing I was thinking of as I read that was like, I would be the thing I would be working. One of the things I'd be working through is like that. My old therapist planted that in my head, um, in a really like almost like forceful and like without an appropriate lead up and like without consent. Like I, like that would, that in and of itself, I mean, because now here you are like struggling with trying to figure out like, what does that diagnosis mean? And like, how do you integrate it into like what you think of your mom? And so like, I think that in and of itself is like a thing to be talking about with your new therapist if you're not already. Um, I think it's really hard to answer the question, like, does a diagnosis change anything? Because I think that's a complicated question to answer anyway, but especially because this diagnosis was made without your therapist ever having even interacted with your mother, it makes the diagnosis like really questionable. And so, um, like, you know, the diagnosis may or may not be like accurate, but like, what does a diagnosis mean? Especially if like the person who's being diagnosed, it doesn't like accept it or isn't aware of it. Um, I think it's useful for you as a, it can be useful for another person in their life, like as a framework for like understanding their behavior. But this is like, this diagnosis is like ill-gotten gains. Like I feel like it was, it's like, it's like inadmissible, um, you know, like in your relationship. I don't know. I'm reading a lot of OJ Simpson trial books still, but like, it's just, it's like a really, really hard thing to know how you should like, um, to know how to like integrate, I think, because of the way it came about. Um, and like, on the other hand, it sounds like, some of it really, really fits and really helps you understand your, your mother. Um, and so I think that like, you, you know, you said it sometimes feel pointless to do the emotional work. Um, how do I emotionally separate from the harmful things when you're trying to create a healthier or closer relationship? I think that, you know, I've gotten in trouble before, like on the podcast, because I've said like really dismissive things of like people with borderline personality disorder. So I want to stay away from doing that. But I will say that I think it can be quite difficult to build a closer to, to build a healthy, close relationship um, with someone who may or may not like exhibit symptoms like borderline personality disorder and isn't being treated and doesn't acknowledge that they have those, that they struggle with mental health. Um, and so, I mean, I think that the creating a close and healthy relationship is like a two-way street. Like you can't create that with someone if the other person isn't also trying to create that. So I think like one thing I would ask myself if I were in your position is like, um, like, I mean, you, you, all the things you named that your mom does and does now and has done when you're growing up, like I, I, that, that, that would be a really difficult person, I think, to build a healthy, close relationship with. So I think that, um, I think how, how do I emotionally separate from the harmful things she does? I think that is like a much more like, I think that is like the project that you should be working on. And I don't think it has to go hand in hand with like, while trying to be closer to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I am. I have a lot of feelings about your old therapist. Um, I've, you can't diagnose someone you haven't treated. You just can't. Not only is it unethical, I mean, it's likely maybe incorrect. I mean, here's the thing about that. 
people aren't just one DSM code. People can be a lot of things. People can have a lot of things. Um, so it does help to put a label on stuff sometimes. And I get that. And I think also just in general, um, taking the weight off your shoulders, thinking maybe it was me or something. You know, you're, you're young and you're in therapy, finally with a good therapist. It takes a while to work through these feelings. So if having that diagnosis helps you, um, and I do not mean to sound dismissive, I'm legitimately honest when I say if that does help you work through this, I mean, then that's okay. But do know that she's not been diagnosed. So that's something that I would hesitate to bring up with my mom, seeing as how, you know, she was not, a, or your mom. Um, and, you know, what Sally said about trying to have a relationship, it is a two-way street. And unless she's getting the treatment, you really are spending a lot of your time and energy on this that could be spent um, dealing with your anger and dealing with um, understanding it's okay to be angry at your parent. It's okay to be like finally stepping back and going, that's not what I wanted to learn. Um, we are all still working through things that we learned as kids uh, and that have affected our life choices that – you know, we're still learning. And it sounds to me like it's great that you're in therapy and it's okay to ease back and maybe not have the closest relationship with your mother right now while you're going through this because you have to take care of you first. Um, and it going forward, you know, if she does get help or if it does come up, great. Um, but I got to tell you right now to expect that to happen, you know, it's just putting a lot of pressure on on that and likely whatever the, whatever your mother has or whatever she's doing that is on her and you can't change that so how are you going to live your life mm -hmm. you know and definitely talk to your therapist now about what your old therapist said i, yeah, I mean I i'm assuming maybe you do but you should mm -hmm. you should because i'm curious about that i think also like when you become an adult like i think one major thing to figure out is like is the emotional work i'm doing um just like is it like my project for me to like be happier and feel more grounded in my life or is like part of it, um, does part of it have to do with my relationship with my parents? And I think like for some people, like if you have like a toxic or abusive parent, I think your emotional work is like 100% about you and like 0% about trying to figure out how to be close with your parent because they haven't like demonstrated that they can like be close with you without like hurting you. And I think for other people, it's like, you know, part of my emotional work is like figuring out how to like stay close with my parent while like feeling okay and like being happy in my life. And I think that's fine too. And then mm. I think it's like, it can be like 90, 10, it can be like 90% about you and like 10% about them. But I guess what I'm saying is like, I think as an adult, like as adults, like we have to decide like really, truly, like how much work are, do we want to put into a relationship with a parent who we have 20, 25, 30, 35 years of experience, <laughs> knowing that like they can't give us what we need, um, or they're, they have a limit, um, and at a certain point, like they're great at giving like A, B and C, but like not D through Z, you know, or like whatever it is. And I think it's like I think it's like overall better um, to see and acknowledge your parents limitations and then like do the rest of the work for yourself, like coming to terms with that, because um, I feel like that's also like. I think that's also like honoring like who your parents really are and like mm. respecting what they can really give you. And like, you know, I, I think like, like when we're little, when we're younger, like 
you know, your parents give you so much. They give you everything. They give you like, or, you know, your guardian gives you everything. Like they're the ones who meet all your needs. Like if you're hungry or you need your diaper changed or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, like they're literally responsible for giving you every single thing. And then as you get older and you have more like abstract needs or more like psychological needs, they don't, they can't give you everything and they don't give you everything. And in some ways, I think, I mean, that's very healthy. Like it's healthy to like grow up and be an adult and like meet your own needs and have your friends meet your needs and your partner meet your needs. And so I think that like, when you get to, I think it's like, it's only fair that like you are, you look at your parent and you say like, okay, like you're a human being, Mm -hmm. like you have struggles and obstacles and you have things that you haven't worked through or you have, you struggle with mental health or you struggle with addiction or whatever it is. And so you can do a little bit of this, but not most of it, or you can't do any of it, or you can do a lot of it, but not everything. You know, I think, I think it's like very important to just be like honest with yourself. Um, because I think it's being compassionate with yourself and also it's being compassionate towards your parents of like not demanding from them what they cannot give you and never have been able to give you. Yeah. And also you're, you're really trying to heal things here, but um, you're right. It sometimes feels pointless to be doing all the emotional work on my end when I'm not seeing her. Well, she's not in the same game as you. Yeah, you exactly. know, she doesn't know what's going on. And also you need to do the emotional work to take care of you. Um, and also how do I emotionally separate while having a closer... I, I really don't have the answer for that because you have to work on your own anger. And by the way, I can tell just sort of by reading this, it seems like you are very, very angry with her, but are trying to sort of maybe, I mean, just in the letter, at least gloss over it, didn't really mm-hmm. get into it. And that's me, that, that's, that, that's you, that's you taking care of you. Don't worry about her for now. Yeah. That'll, that'll sort itself out, but do understand these things take time and there's not much you can do yeah. other than work on you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that, I think that it's like really clear what our parents or our guardians are supposed to do between the ages of like zero and maybe like 18. And then I think after that, like, it's just not clear. Like, I don't think we have, I mean, maybe, I mean, and maybe I'm speaking only for like Americans, maybe I'm speaking only for like white upper middle class Americans. Cause that's yeah. my background. Um, but like, it's like not really clear, like after your parents, like meet your immediate, like physical needs, um, what are like, what is their role in your adult life? And like, it's like, do we just like keep expecting them to take care of us in the way that they did when we were, because, because like parents like don't really, I feel like they don't sign on for that. Like, I think that when we, when people think about becoming parents, they think about parenting like a baby and a child. Mm -hmm. I don't think they necessarily think about parenting an adult. And like, I, I think there are plenty of people who are like fine at, take at like meeting a baby's needs but not good at meeting like an adult's needs like and I just I think it's like it's really important to like look at your parents as like the complicated complex and sometimes emotionally disrupted people that they are and Mm -hmm. like they might just never maybe they were never good at meeting your needs ever in your life and they're still not as an adult and I think that's also like traumatic and something to figure on therapy what you're doing so Oscar I feel like you're on a really good path yeah yeah and you got a new therapist which is amazing oh my god <laughs> like that's a huge thing yeah. but you know things take time and don't don't be too hard on yourself you're, you're dealing with a lot but um whatever your old therapist diagnosed your mother with I would just let that go and talk about it with your new therapist because ultimately all that matters is what's going on with you. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Um, Shall we end this? Yeah, we're going to do another short episode and thank you guys for rolling with us. We've only done a couple emails the last couple just because we've both been really busy and then today well actually last week I was really busy because I was about to get married and <laughs> and this week um, I'm so tired that I feel like I had enough brain power to really give my all to just two emails yes. and I don't want to like give the third email like short shrift so thank you for bearing with us while we um, like take it a little easy 
and we will be back in full force very soon. And the third email is one from November that got lost in the shuffle. So yeah. get excited. Yeah, get excited. It's an email from November. And th- that person, like, we'll talk about this next week, but they mm-hmm. were like, hey, I heard you say that things get lost in the shuffle. So I just <sighs> wanted to like ping this. So if you've ever written in and you've <laughs> never heard your email written, do exactly that because it got lost in the shuffle. Same with joining the Facebook group. Please yeah. let me know. There is a way to get in. We just have to find it because Facebook is a little bit difficult to navigate sometimes. So, hey, listen, you can tweet at us at Pod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com to either ask a question or join the secret Facebook group. Uh, safe space place where we kind of like a lot of a lot of photos, advice. Oh, sorry, photos of animals. Mm-hmm. Very important. Uh, people ask each other for advice. They're giving great advice uh they should all be on the show <laughs> i know so seriously you guys should host this seriously instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy tweet at sally t tweet at me at spk hell or become a member you have eight bonus episodes um and they come out once a month and that is strugglebuspodcast.com click on the link for as little as five dollars a month but you can give us more sally <laughs> song of the week i wanted to make it about you and andrea oh shucks. So i was like what is the best <gasps> love song I don't know why we've never used this before, but why let's fucking do it. Why have we not used it? In oh your eyes, God. Peter Gabriel. Amazing. What? Best love song of all time. I, I'm glad you like it. I had a feeling you would like oh, it. God, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm now I'm like pretty excited about it. Yeah. I haven't listened to it in a long time, and I'm going to well, as soon as I leave. we're about to. Nice. Yes. So, hey, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. All my